People want more democracy, not less. It's time to talk progressive politics and practical solutions with Joy Silver. Outspoken from Radio 111. Now, here's Joy. Oh, yes, it is indeed, Joy Silver, and welcome, welcome, all defenders of democracy. We all need role models, and so today we have a show, especially in these times, but just remember, the fight, the good fight, is fought by many through history, or in this case today, by history. And we're going to be talking about Finding Shavella, the rough voice of tenderness. Now, you may not know who Shavella Vargas is, and frankly, that is why we need to speak about her. And I have here in the studio two guests. But first, let me tell you that Chevella Vargas was a Costa Rican Mexican singer. She was known for her rendition of Mexican rancheras and recognized for her contribution to other genres of popular Latin American music. She was an influential interpreter in the Americas and Europe, muse to such figures as Pedro Almodovar, hailed for her haunting performances and called, and I love this line, I must say, the rough voice of tenderness. The Latin Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences presented her with a Latin Grammy in 2007. Now, she's no longer alive, and her last words on her official Facebook page were, I leave with Mexico in my heart. First guest is Stephanie Trudeau. She's been an actress and singer for over 40 years, performing in New York City Cabaret, off-Broadway and regional theater. While developing a program of songs written by women, I'm going to say that again, a program of songs written by women, notably Spanish songs, that her Puerto Rican mother loved, she discovered Chavela Vargas. Welcome, Stephanie Trudeau. Hello, Joy. How are you? I'm doing good. And I'm also sitting right here in the studio with Joyce Callow. She is a New York Emmy Award winner, an independent writer-director for film, television, and other media. Her films have been selected for dozens of film festivals worldwide, and she's won numerous awards. She's written, produced, and directed five short films, written several feature film screenplays, as well as various TV projects, and has an original series pilot currently going out. Welcome, Joyce Callow. Thank you, Joy. It's a pleasure to be here. I am very excited to talk to both of you about this, what I think is a very important woman in our history, or our history, as I mentioned earlier. And I think in these times, we look back and we say, well, these turbulent, turbulent political times, what kind of role models and who else fought battles, not just the battles of politics, which is always a battle, but also about gender and heteronormativeness. And, you know, we talk about binary and non-binary and and all of these things being the first woman to and then fill in the blank. And how do we realize the contribution that women have made across cultures? This is an important figure. So let me first start with you, Stephanie. Let's talk a little bit about your background. You gave me a lovely introduction, (laughs) singer-actress. I'm also a writer. Uh, Yes, I was working on a cabaret act for myself um, called Here's to the Girls, and it was songs written by women. I was developing it basically in my living room with friends giving me their input. Um, I added a lot of Latin songs, Spanish 
pop songs because my mother was Puerto Rican and I grew up hearing Spanish and singing Spanish. I also discovered that there are tremendous Latina songwriters, lots of them. And I thought, well, this needs to be said and this needs to be shown that, you know, there are great Latin women songwriters. I wasn't just the guys. Um, And as I was doing this, someone asked me if I had ever listened to Chavela Vargas. And I said, no, is she a songwriter? Didn't know, but I started listening to her and frankly, I was totally blown away. And as I started doing the research, because I just, the voice led me to finding out about her, even more blown away. I mean, what her life was about, her accomplishments. Joyce, I really want to know, how did she become a filmmaker? You know, Joy, I've always been a storyteller. And to me, filmmaking is one of the best forms of storytelling. But I didn't come to filmmaking until later in my life. It's a second career for me. So I started off um, as, believe it or not, a, a television news reporter and weekend anchor for an ABC affiliate in Youngstown, Ohio. Oof. Back in the day, <laughs> I was, it was fabulous. Um, and I eventually worked my way to New York and moved more into writing and directing. But you know, those were not stories you're telling stories when you're talking when you're talking and reporting about the news. The stories that I were interested in are more what you were speaking of. Telling a woman's story, narrative style, working with actors. And so I did something which I think was very bold. At thirty nine I quit working and went back to school. <laughs> and I got my master's degree from Columbia Film School uh, in writing and directing and that is where I learned how to make uh, films and I've been doing that. That's how I became a filmmaker. To answer your question, so that's really important. We know how the two of you, what you were doing in your background, but, and I'm going to ask you how you know each other. But let me ask one question of you first, Joyce, and then Stephanie. Why Chavela, and why now? So I'm mm. going to start with you, Joyce. Why Chavela? I mean, do you want to know how I came to know Chavela through Stephanie? That sounds good. Because that's really how I, you know, I, I think that, uh, and Stephanie can speak more to why Chavela spoke to her, but for me, the fascinating thing was that, as you mentioned, like we, I, I personally am starved for role models for women of a certain age that I can look up to, that I can say in my life, who do I want to be like? And, you know, believe it or not, there aren't a lot in the media. And so Stephanie and I, to answer your question, are old friends, actually. We are on the same block in Brooklyn for ah, many years. Brooklyn. It zeroes back to that, does it? It's I? back in the hood. It's the hood girls. <laughs> okay. And Stephanie's actually calling um, in from a from a beach place that we share together. Okay. And, and uh, we were good friends, and she told me about her show and so I went into Manhattan to Don't Tell Mamas which is a very premier venue where she was doing her one woman one hour uh, cabaret show. I've spent many a night at uh, Don't Tell Mamas. So have I'm, you? Yes, yes. And I, I bet love you that have story. And do you have some stories? There's always uh, stories. There's always stories. Okay. So that's for another show. But uh, <laughs> you know I saw the show and I was like how the heck do I not know about this woman? Yeah. And we'll get into her, fa- I don't know if you want me to talk about it now, but Stephanie approached me immediately and I said, well, no, we got, we, we, at first we thought we would just film it for posterity. We would put three cameras and do it in the theater and, and make like a concert film of it. But 
then God sent a pandemic, and then there was COVID, and so we couldn't do it in the theater. And so as a filmmaker, I said, Steph, you know, I can find a way to pull the main essence and boil this thing down into a short film. And I can take the main milestones and do a beginning, middle, and end and encapsulate that story and make it something exciting. And then I used a hybrid of genres. So sometimes we're doing interviews we're borrowing from documentary. Sometimes we're borrowing from feature film and doing acting. Of course she sings, and I have animation. So this hybrid was perfect, a perfect way for us to work during the pandemic and create this highlights, really, of her life. And and the purpose is to get people more interested as I was. Oh, and certainly you captured, the both of you captured me by doing what you've done. Stephanie, tell me, why Chavela and why now? Um, certainly, her street. Stories are important. I'm a storyteller. Uh, Joyce tells her stories through film. I tell mine through song and acting and crafting cabaret Why Chavela? Her story spoke to me. My, as I said, my mother was Puerto Rican. My mother came to this country when she was six years old, speaking no English. I'm really drawn to immigrant stories, you know, the people who come here and they're looking in and they're trying to make their way into a world. Um, So this is also a story of an outsider looking in and making her way. Mm -hmm. Chavela came from Costa Rica. And yes, she always considered herself a a Mexican. She said Mexico gave her her life. It let her breathe. I think that's what a statement to breathe. Um, she was a trailblazer. She sang music that only men sang. And, and one of the great composers of this music, Ranchera, took her on with her mentor. He let her sing with him. He wrote songs for her. She uh, then did this amazing thing, going to a party, a Christmas party, um, met the two most famous and important artists in Mexico City, Frida Kahlo, Diego Rivera. And not only meets them, but then lives with them for a year. No, well, now how old is she? How old is she at this point? Because she's like eighteen, nineteen years old. She's a young girl. She's a young girl, and just falls into this world. And she meets the two of them, and now yes. she's going to live with them. And then she, as she said, the party went all went on all night long. But in the morning, I didn't go home. I stayed and I lived with them for a year. Um, what do you Very, think, uh, gutsy lady? What do you think her importance is overall, and how does she fit into history? And then I also want to ask you that same question, Joyce. Well, I'm going to tell you a quote. I was a couple of years ago. I was in Mexico City trying to do uh, some some research because I wanted to turn this, and I still do want to turn this into a book, a biography of, of Chavela Vargas. Um, so this was March. Uh, 2020, just, well, we know what happened at the end of March 2020. Um, I was talking to this young girl in a restaurant, the waitress, in her early 20s. She asked, what are you doing here? I told her what I was doing. And she said, ah, Chavela Vargas. You know, she was our first feminist. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was, you know, just like gobsmacked by that. What a statement for a contemporary young woman in Mexico to say. So that that sort of says a lot about Chavela's importance. Now, what, um, is it, what, that is the, what does that mean, she was our first feminist? And b- before you answer, let me go back okay. to Joyce and get her input on to what she sees Chavela's importance is overall and how she fits into history. 
everything that we've talked about Chavela in terms of her influence in that musical world and that culture in Latin uh, is important for me personally because I'm gay, I'm a lesbian, and Chavela at a time when it was never spoken of was a very active and rather notorious lesbian. I mean, when we say she went to Frida Kahlo's house and stayed for a year, she was Frida's lover. Uh, she mm-hmm. moved on after that, and she ended up becoming uh, lovers with a notorious call girl. And uh, it, it, the beat goes on. And I think when, when some figure like that lives out loud in an era way before Ellen, way before things were out, way before we were who we were, that is so dynamic to me because these gender issues, and, and also let's talk about gay marriage. I mean, these things that I thought we won just a few years ago are now in danger. And it's very important that we speak up, and this is a woman, Chavela Vargas, who is never afraid to say anything. That is a really important point for from my point of view, and I'm very supportive of that because that's what this show, Joy Silver with Outspoken, right here at Radio 111's Outspoken, <laughs> that is what we are all about. Because if we don't stand up for ourselves and we don't speak out, then we have no chance at changing anything for ourselves and for others like us. And I think... Looking back at Chavela, and I'm just going to read a little piece here. This really, um, and I will say that having already seen the performance, Stephanie's performance in the film and her live performance, Stephanie's live performance, I will say that um, I was changed. Really? Yeah. I was definitely changed. Wonderful. (laughs) I just, my whole view opened, and and it's, and as as a musician myself, having lived that musician's life. But just hearing, especially when you talk about songs that women wrote, Stephanie, I mean, I was changed Mm. by the power of Chavela's fearlessness, her fierceness, her unwillingness to be anybody else but who she was. Uh, Joyce, what do you... I want to, just in in line with what you're saying, when you er, earlier mentioned her her background and that she sang Ranchera, you have to remember, and, and we talk about this in the film, only men sang ranchera. And she was the first woman who dared sang ranchera, and they booed her mm. at first. But then she hooked up with the right people, the right singers, the right songwriters, and she became famous. So back to your talking about the politics of our country, we really have to look at people like this and, and, and by osmosis take their power and use this power mm. for ourselves, to speak up for ourselves, to say what we want to say, to take... Do what we want to do and don't take no for an answer. Stephanie, when you talked about uh, meeting the young woman and she said she was our first feminist, what do you, what did you, what was she referring to from your point of view? I think a woman who um, lived life on her own terms, who lived at large, but definitely lived it on her own terms, who, and this is in a very patriarchal male-dominated society mm-hmm. True. stepped out and did what she wanted to do. I mean, one of the this seems uh, maybe not such a big deal, but it was huge. She was singing these men's songs, these love songs that men sang. She never changed the pronoun. <laughs> uh, so sometimes she was probably singing it to women. You know, uh, her girlfriends were probably there in the audience. But that was outrageous that she wouldn't change the, the pronouns, that she just did what she wanted to do. Someone else pointed out to me that uh, it wasn't until probably the, the mid-1950s that women could even sing mariachi in Mexico. Mm. She opened the doors 
for, for women doing all sorts of things, but essentially living their lives the way they wanted to live them or thought they could. I just want to point out one of the things that strikes me about this whole story is that it touches on all these issues that are hugely important today. Battles that we thought we had fought and won and mm-hmm. we're still fighting them. Definitely. Gender issues, uh, sexism, immigration, Mexican culture. Uh, you know, when you hear people talk about bugs, I mean, ooh, that just really speaks to me. Um, so these these are really gay rights. I mean, it's Chavela kind of embodies it all, and it's pretty important battles that we're still fighting. You know, I have a statement here, I'm just going to read, that I found about her. It says, in her youth, she dressed as a man, smoked cigars, drank heavily, carried a gun. Since she preferred <laughs> yeah. to dress like a man, Vargas' parents hid their defiantly non-feminine daughter from guests. I mean... I, I, I want you to talk a little bit about the time elements that are involved in her life, because our listeners may not be aware of what years we're talking about here, because I know mm. she lived a long time. So tell us a little bit about her life in terms of the years. Well, she was born in 1919, so we're talking early 20th century, Um her mother abandoned her, as she put it, you know, ran off with a lover. Uh, her father also kind of abandoned her, sent her to live on a farm. And yes, the family really was not excited about her, <laughs> her, her life, her, her chosen style of living. Um, at a very young age, I think she says she was 14, she ran away to Mexico City. Um, and took, just got lots of different jobs, got rooms in, you know, uh, the red light district, wherever she could get a room, um, did all kinds of work. She, she could drive because, you know, kids on farms do drive cars and drive uh, vehicles. So she was chauffeuring people around and um, just making whatever connections she could make and then decide, just discovered Ranchera and started singing on the streets, in bars, cantinas. People booed at her, as, as Joyce pointed out, but she managed to fall under the, the mentorship and protection of Jose Alfredo Jimenez, who was one of the greatest of the Rancheras songwriters. Mm-hmm. Now, are we talking and about, are we, ta- are we talking about the 1930s and 40s? Is that where we and are? We're talking, yeah, the 1930s. Yeah, probably the 1930s. And she starts to really craft a career probably in the 1940s and 50s. And well, by, no, by the 1950s, she's, she's a big Mexican star. So she, now she's, she's a star a, internationally? She's a big, excuse me, it's Joyce. She's, she's a big star in Hollywood at this point. I mean, the, 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 well, Liz Taylor had her, had her singing her wedding. They came to Mexico. That was more, that was like the 50s and 60s when 50s, all the Hollywood, mm-hmm. yeah, when the Hollywood stars were coming down to Mexico, Acapulco, coming down to Mexico uh, to have a lot of fun, or as I also point out, for quickie divorces, um, because that was <laughs> where you could go for a quick divorce. Um, so she she was, you know, she was performing. She was performing in the clubs and the bars, the, you know, um, and making friends with the Hollywood movie stars. So this is the 50s. And the 60s, she's having a very big career in Mexico. She, she's a star. And what happens then to her? She, what happens to her in the 70s? She dropped out because she was also a raging alcoholic to the point where she was falling down 
couldn't work, couldn't sing, and was either stopped drinking or died. And mm-hmm. she took herself out of the whole scene, um, went off into the mountains uh, outside of Mexico City, and this little town, and she basically was gone for 15 years getting sober. 15 years, um, and to make a comeback after years. that. To make a break in your career for 15 years and come back, and as, oh, I don't want to interrupt you, Stephanie, but when she comes no, back, it's, it's, it's an amazing second act. Well, she, people really thought she was dead. I mean, they, they, she was so gone, they just figured she was really gone. She came back, and she was 72 years old. She uh, went to a bar that she used to sing at. They asked her to come sing on the stage. She started singing, and she was offered a job. And as she put it, she was so terrified because she never sang sober in her life. Mm. And for the first time, she was singing sober. So what guts and what courage. And, and I guess, if anything, that really speaks to me. And then she was, well, I think what happened is Pedro Modovar realized that she was still alive. He adored her. Mm-hmm. She was his muse in his films. He had her, he had her songs in his films for years. Now, he's what, he, he, he was doing films when? Let me, Joyce, do you know the year? Was that the 80s with Pedro Almodovar? When he was putting her in the films, it would have been probably the 80s. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so she's yeah. so she's kind of going strong here, getting that second chance. Oh, he yeah. helped a lot. And I mean, he, it was it, uh, he had a lot of uh, say in that. Joyce, uh, you're on the film side, I mean, having that kind of uh, person behind you, certainly well, he, he already had. Hold on, Stephanie. I'm going. I'm, 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 I'm asking Joyce it's, to talk a little bit about the film yeah. side of this. The well the. The thing you have to remember is you can sit it's like Stephanie doing her cabaret show. You can sing and there's a limited audience. But once you once you cross over into the film world, you're cre- you're reaching a much wider audience. And so because mm. Ms. because Pedro had already known of her and loved her and was thrilled that she was back. I mean, was thrilled to say, well, this is such a talent. And then to put her songs, and in one case, her in the movies, the reach just became exponential. Mm-hmm. And that that's the power of filmmaking. And that's kind of what we're hoping to do now and to take that story, because that second act, that's not even the end of it. She made her Carnegie Hall debut at 83. 83 years old. 83 years old. And you talk about inspiration. You talk about never too late. You talk about women. You know, they talk about this notion of comeback, like she was having a comeback and she comes back from a career. And that's how we usually use that term. I like to change, we're trying to change the notion of comeback. I'm trying to use comeback as any woman who originally had a dream and that didn't happen. They had kids. They had to work. They did whatever. I can come back from an original dream. I can make something now. And we can open that definition up. And all women can start to be inspired by this story. Because if somebody could make their Carnegie Hall debut at 83, you have to say, it's never too late for me to start doing what I want to do. You know, I think that, um, and, and, and Stephanie, um, I, I, I'm not sure which of you said woman of a certain age. Maybe it was you, Joyce. But I think what's important is... Even the term comeback, to have a dream and to do many things towards that dream. And then it's, it's, it's more of a continuing. Exactly. Continue. Rather than it coming back, you're coming forward. You're going forward. Yes. Going forward mm. to... Uh, always becoming. Always becoming. Oh, I love that. That's our title, Becoming uh, Chavela. We are uh, always... Becoming Chavela. Women, we as women are becoming until we die. 
Uh, we just right. can become anything we want to if we try. That's fantastic. Of course, what a wrap in there that was. Stephanie, let me ask you this. <laughs> when you took on the character of Javella, did it affect your perception of history? And did it change anything in your life? Um, I think what it did for me personally was made me feel very courageous uh, and made me, and someone even said that to me, you're so brave, you're so brave, Stephanie. And I never thought of myself as a brave person, but channeling her and deciding to really just go out there on a limb with this show um, and and take on a character who is so bigger than life. And, you know, I'm not queer. Uh, I, I look blonde and blue-eyed and she was pretty much brown. So it's, but I thought it doesn't matter. I can take on the qualities and the qualities are what really matter about this person uh, the, and what matters about this life and what I'm trying to say. So she gave me great courage. I continue to channel her and continue to uh, step out wherever I can with, with this story. So that's important. What do you expect? Let me start with you, Joyce. What do you expect the audience to take away after viewing the film? After the viewing of the film, I would hope the audience, if they took away nothing else, would take away the inspiration that you can do anything you want to at any time in your life, and that they would see this as a model of living out loud. A woman who worked hard, played hard, drank hard, suffered, came back, the tenacity I think that the, you take away the message of never giving up uh, uh, and never stopping uh, for what you want. And this is not something that is limited to film. This is in everything in our lives. You know, you have to set your goals and then you can't stop. And Stephanie, what, would, what do you expect the audience to take away after viewing? Well, I would kind of say amen to what Joyce said, but um, <laughs> sorry, Steph. <laughs> no, it's... But but to sort of elaborate a little bit, okay. You know, we we end the film with a dedication, and actually, that's on the screen at the end of my my cabaret show as well for my mother, because my mother also, you know, sort of has this part as as an immigrant, as a woman who made her life out of kind of nothing. So for my mother and comeback women everywhere. And that's the message that I would hope people walk out of the theater with or, you know, walk away from the film, that it's, it's a comeback, it's your dream. Now, one of the things, you know, I have a 17-year-old intern, and, and I asked her at one point, you know, what are you taking from this? Because 17 years old, looking at this <laughs> old woman <laughs> singer, and she said, oh, Chabella's story told me never give up. And never I thought, give up. so again, never give up. Now, I mean, that's, you know, seize your dream and just keep at it. So and never, that's what she said also. Never give Don't up. Don't give up and keep at it. So, and uh, that's amazing for a 17-year-old girl to say that. So, well, I, I think you've hit that nail on the head. And I want to know <laughs> where and when we can view this film. Joyce, where and when can we view this film? Here in the Palm Springs area, it is a part of the Palm Springs LGBTQ Film Festival. It is going to be showing on Saturday, September 24th, in a short section called Latin X. That's going to be at 12.30 p.m. And in order to get tickets, you can go to, may I say the website? Yes. psculturalcenter.org slash filmfest. 
That's what's that address again? PSCulturalCenter.org slash filmfest. All films are showing at the beautiful Camelot Theaters downtown. And what's the name of the film? Becoming Chavela. And thank you so much for listening to our show. Thank you, Stephanie Trudeau. Thank you, Joyce Callow. And this is Joy Silver Without Spoken, where we stand up, fight back, because this is what democracy looks like. 